0: bring it in to a very special edition of the read option ladies and gentlemen this is our one-year anniversary the one-year anniversary since the greatest podcast known to man and don't look at the numbers. This is just facts. Don't ask anybody. Just trust yeah. me. Yeah, uh, was launched and created, and of course we have the whole crew together to celebrate a momentous day in uh, in the world of sports media. Boys, Scotty Vito, how are we? Congratulations, we made it a year. We did it with a full year. That's nailed it. it. It's better than I like ninety nine percent. It's like, honestly, we should have. Damn, why didn't we wear? We said we were going to get champagne for the hundredth.
1: Yeah, we'll do it.
0: Yeah. yeah for the hundredth episode, we'll do we'll do champagne and, and no, tuxedos. I,
2: like, guys, I think this is my longest relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Glad I could be a part of it. <laughs> uh, so, you and know, it's I, a special. It's a
0: huge monument for us. Vito's been in a throuple for the last year. And it's the <laughs> longest relationship he's he's ever been in. That's incredible. Oh man, uh, no. And and look, we are going to talk about the year. I'm going to do a little soliloquy about it, and because I I don't speak for both of you guys, but I know for me at least, this pod has been um, something I look forward to doing. Uh, it, it is almost never a burden. Like I never really consider it even on weeks or whatever where I'm exhausted. Like it's something I'm always fired up to do. It's a bright spot my week. And it's a chance for the three of us who are friends and we all live in different parts, even though Scotty and I both live in Virginia, we're still about you know 45 minutes to an hour away. You know, it, it's a cool way for all of us, for us three too, who started off as, as three guys in a fantasy football league, Scotty and I had met a couple of times and you guys are friends with my brother-in-law and my sister you know, it's been a way for all of us to get and develop our own friendship and, um, you know, things like the live pod and other stuff that we've done has been really special for, I think, for, for myself and, and I would hope for, for both of you guys as well. So um, we are going to do and spend a time at the end uh, talking about our favorite memories from the year. Uh, and of course, we're going to hold ourselves accountable. So we're going to give our worst takes as well. Uh, <laughs> moments where we were just flat out wrong and and dumb, but also hit on some of our favorite highlights and some of our favorite stuff that we've done. Um, but before we get into all that, the main crux of today's episode is we have divisional round. We got four stellar games, four games that have so many different angles to them, so many different like eras of players, right? Like there, there's so much going on. And for as disappointing as the wildcard weekend was to many I think that only means that the best teams won, and we're now left with eight teams that are all contenders, that are all really good football teams that should put on a really good performance this weekend.
2: I mean, I can't wait for a couple of these different matchups. What you said about the eight teams, though, is absolutely right. Like, I feel like these are the teams that should have won, even the lower seeds, right? Are teams that are getting dangerous late, like the Bengals. You know what I mean? Everyone, like we talked about, that's a, that's a scary team, man. So if that's the lowest seed on the AFC side, you know, that, that bracket's in good condition. You look at the NFC. I mean, I'm still excited to see what, what anyone can bring against green Bay. And, and obviously uh, Scotty not just see. anyone.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll mean, <laughs> Shanahan and damn boys. <laughs> yeah, man. No, you're absolutely right. It's uh, <clears throat> when you think about the, the, the structure of of both conferences in the NFL, it's when you get to the playoffs, what you want to see is the best teams, right? So even those lower seeds, like the Bengals uh, at the five, um, like the, the Niners at the six, uh, those are the, the the teams who you want to see. And even like going into last week, we talked about those two teams are probably the scariest teams to play. Like nobody at the top wants to play them right now. So now we're in the divisional round uh, it's your chance to chance to put up or shut up if you're if you're any of those teams. And I think it's going to be exciting because it only gets better each and each uh, round that we play here. So looking forward to it.
0: Agreed. I, I, I just think for a year that felt pretty unpredictable. Um, and this is the beauty of the NFL. Like, I think more often than not, it kind of works itself out. You know, you're going to have outlier years, right? Like the, the 07 Giants who were what were they like nine and seven, nine
1: and seven, I think. Yeah.
0: And, and played, you know, four road games on their way to upsetting, you know, the Patriots and winning a Super Bowl. Like there, road there Wars. are, yeah, like there, there's always going to be an outlier like that, but primarily the NFL does a fantastic job of, by the time you get to this point of the year, you kind of know who the best teams are. They've kind of worked themselves out and you're going to get a great product in the end. And I, I can say right now of these four games, probably at least one, maybe two of them might be blowouts. Like, I I just think that's kind of the nature of it too, because some teams are just that much better. But I would venture to say that at least half of these games, two out of these last four games, are going to be fantastic. And they're going to deliver on everything that we want, especially when you look at teams like Tampa Bay and and the Rams. Like, the Rams finally feel like they've recaptured some of what they were in the beginning part of the season. They were really good to start off. They nosedived a little bit. They had a, a stretch of rough games. They still finish 12-5, and they win their division, they work in Odell midseason, who now has become an X-factor for them, a really important piece, and they blow the doors off of Arizona on Monday night. And then Tampa Bay too, right, all the Antonio Brown stuff, the injuries, Chris Godwin, everything, and yet they come out against an inferior opponent in Philadelphia last weekend, and they blow the doors off of Philly. So we have two teams in that scenario who feel like they're hit their stride at the right time. You can say the same thing about Buffalo and Kansas city. You can say the same thing about San Francisco, right? San Francisco and green Bay. We've seen green Bay be awesome all year. San Francisco has really turned it on here in the last quarter of the season. And, and with Cincinnati and Tennessee, that's a game where I really think can go either way, despite the fact that we're talking about the one seed taking on the four seed. Um, and, And Again, this is the beauty of the NFL. This is the beauty, and, and I know we have bad teams. We talk about the Jacksonvilles and the Houstons and these bad organizations who, who lose a lot of football games. you got to remember the parity that exists in the NFL from a talent perspective. And you're going to have higher echelon teams. You're going to have lower echelon teams. But We saw Jacksonville upset Indianapolis Week 18, right, and knock the Colts out of the playoffs. You're going to have mm-hmm. that in any given week because of the NFL, and then that even gets heightened to a higher level When you hit the playoffs, because you're not just talking about, oh, everyone on the field is talented. Everyone on the field is talented and well coached and is balanced and can do a whole bunch of different things. And so I I think we're set up for a fantastic weekend. So boys, let's just dive right into this. First game, 430 Saturday, CBS will be the Cincinnati Bengals going to Tennessee uh, as of now, it looks like Derrick Henry is going to play, right? This has been what we've talked about and heard about coming out of Tennessee all season, which is that if Tennessee makes the playoffs and they end up getting the one seat so they get the extra buy, we're going to see Derrick Henry come back. The biggest question is, you know, they have what's called the Ewing theory, which is a Bill Simmons ism, right? Which is essentially when you remove a team's best player, some, for some reason, the team actually looks better, right? We talked about it with OBJ and the Browns last year when they made their playoff run. And there's been examples of this throughout history of sports. I don't know whether that's going to be the case for Tennessee because I think so much of that's going to come down to what version of Derrick Henry do we see, how healthy is he? Is he going to come in and immediately be the same guy that we've always seen? Uh, Or is he going to be rusty? Is he only going to play 50% of snaps? And is force feeding him the ball because you have him back Going to throw off the rhythm of the whole offense so w- number one i think on the checklist of this game is derrick henry and you can put a question mark after that derrick henry because <laughs> i honestly have no idea what kind of role or it's impact a, he's going to make in this game
1: it's a questionable mark uh uh because he's still questionable <laughs> no look even if he doesn't play you've got um you've got dante Foreman. And, uh, and Dontrell Hilliard, who have shouldered the load for the entirety of the time that Derrick Henry has been out and done a damn good job doing it. Uh, so uh, look, even if you, if you use Derrick Henry as, as a switch him up back, right? If you know you're going to going, going into it, you know he's only going to play, uh, uh, 35, 40, 50% of the snaps, you can use him in ways that, Aren't necessarily the first and ten handoff to Derrick Henry, second and eight handoff to Derrick Henry, third and two handoff to Derrick Henry, right? So, um, the the idea that he he needs to be the workhorse in this game, particularly with uh, a banged up uh, Cincinnati defensive line, uh, like Trey Hendricks, Trey Hendrickson had a is in concussion protocol. He might play. Uh, he's supposed to. But uh, Mike Daniels uh, also out, uh, potentially he's questionable for the game. Larry Ogan has just been put on IR. So that defensive line for Cincinnati is banged up. I think you can go out and get it. Um, and, and with three really talented backs, I think, I think it's going to be right for the picking in and the run game for uh, Tennessee.
2: Well, I, I think, going back, Jeff, to your initial point, I, I think that Derrick Henry, depending on how confident he is, like you're saying, it could throw the team off. And why I say that is because, like, first of all, Derek Henry's amazing. If I'm making a call, I'm handing it to him all the time, right? Like, that's – I wouldn't even shake it up. But he's only – he his first contact practice was today. You know what I mean? Like, that's – that's like, we, we're not that far away. And you guys know – I don't know if you've had injuries or anyone who's even tweaked something. The first time you're back on it, you're a little, oh, okay, like, you know, I'm, I'm testing it out. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, imagine being out with an injury like this for most of the season and coming back, you know you're trying to condense and get get back as soon as you can, and then you have one practice, and so then you're going to get hit, like Derrick Henry gets hit. Like, people don't take a small shot at Derrick Henry. You can't. you got to go with everything that you have. So it's well, like when people hit Gronk. It, it's literally the same kind of deal. So I, yeah. what I'm more concerned about is – if he goes in and and making sure he's confident enough to just hit those holes as fast and as hard as he can, if he's that Derrick Henry, I I think he's going to be a great help to the team. If he hesitates at all, I I think they're going to try and force feed him then. Right. And maybe try and get him in a rhythm. Like you don't want the team to adjust their, their play calls because he's back in terms of like trying to get him involved because of the fact that Scott, you said earlier, they've done such a great job of balance this whole year.
1: The, the benefit of of that, though, even if you use Derrick Henry as like a pseudo decoy, you know, even if you let him pound the rock and he's getting, he's averaging two, three yards per carry. What you're doing for Cincinnati's defense, now you got to take an extra guy into the box. Now you're going single high on or, or man one on one coverage with AJ Brown and Julio Jones. Somebody's going to be open. So,
0: yeah, I Derrick Henry coming back. The the contact side of it alone, like you're talking about, Vito, is significant, right? You know, you're talking about a guy who hasn't played since October, I think it was he went out. And one of the reasons when I've talked to former NFL players and stuff, one of the things they always talk about in in the context of training camp and why limiting padded practices and full contact uh, practices matter. Uh, and same thing with preseason games is you have to get your body calloused, right? Just like you would, if you play guitar and your fingers, just like you do when you swing a golf club a million times and you haven't in a while, you have to build up that, that almost getting used to being hit. And Derek Henry is probably the, one of the few players and that's not necessarily something I'm worried about with him, especially seeing as, it, you know, he came in the start of this year and was just on fire immediately. However, throughout his career looking at the bigger picture, Derrick Henry's been a bit of a slow starter, right? It's usually he's so physically gifted and strong and dominant that by the time everyone else's bodies are breaking down in November and December and January, that that's when he hits his stride. That's when he's at his most dangerous because his body doesn't break down in the same way. He's going to be fresh. There's no question about that, right? His body hasn't taken those hits. So is that going to be is that going to affect him in this game. And that's what I think is just so difficult to try to figure out here is that, is he going to immediately come in? And this is all, by the way, assuming that he's a hundred percent good to go. Right. The, the injury he had, the surgery on his foot is like a nine month recovery. It's it's the fact that he's even playing in this game is honestly ridiculous. But again, it, it goes to show the kind of guy that he is. I don't think there's any doubt he's going to play, but if he's only in for 50% of snaps, you know how that breakdown works itself out is where I fear that Tennessee might be in a little bit of trouble, right? Because if it takes him a half to really even get his feet under him, you know, and and he's still only getting 50% of the snaps, how effective is he going to be? Are you going to try to force him the ball? You're going to try to force him touches because you know, the difference he makes in your offense and the weight that it takes off of Tannehill and Julio Jones and, and AJ Brown as well. So I just have a hard time believing that Tennessee, with the week off, already being a team that was, like, week to week. Like, we you never knew what you were going to get from Tennessee, and yet they were the one seed. Yeah. And I think that's very indicative of how the season goes. We didn't know all year, and yet they still somehow got the one seed. It took some help from other teams in the AFC losing a bunch of games. But this is still a team that lost to the New York Jets. This is still a team that lost to the Houston Texans, right? <laughs> It's crazy to say, oh my gosh. It, it's wild, but it's also <laughs> a team that beat the shit out of Kansas City without Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. So what version do we get? It's already tough to tell, and then adding Derrick Henry into the mix here I think makes it even more difficult to try to figure out. I'm I'm confident that they'll be able to figure out some sort of balance that will work, and if Derrick Henry is 100%, then I think Tennessee deserves to be the favorite. But right now, they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game, and Cincinnati in the last six weeks has been a very consistent team, right? And there's one, there's one real turning point with them in this season that has kind of stood out to me amongst uh, the, the rest. And it was the blowout loss to Cleveland. They lost 41 to 16 to Cleveland. And since then, they've gone, let's see, uh, five and three, which isn't like great. They had one bad loss to the Chargers, but they were. Three points away from beating the 49ers in overtime. And then the third loss was to Cleveland, which they had literally all backups in, like Brandon Allen was playing quarterback there. But in that same stretch, they beat the Steelers 41 to 10. They beat the Raiders 32 to 13. They beat the Broncos 15 to 10. They beat the Ravens 41 to 21. And they beat the Chiefs in that crazy 34 to 31 overtime game as well. So they 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 have been a different football team since that beatdown where and the week before the beatdown too to the Browns that was the week that they lost to the Jets as well. It's crazy that both of these teams have lost to the Jets, but again, that's kind of what this whole season <laughs> has been like. I'm very bullish on Cincinnati this week. And a lot of it comes down to the quarterback position because I think Derrick Henry or no Derrick Henry, both quarterbacks have to play well in this game. And The defense for Tennessee has been really good good at certain points and has been really bad. Again, it's this inconsistency that we've seen out of Tennessee all year, and yet they somehow have still managed the one seed. I really like Cincinnati. I like that they're getting the three and a half points. So that's where I'm leaning now. Can either of you make the case for Tennessee uh, or or believe that Tennessee is the team that's going to come in and win this? I do. I I got Tennessee
2: in this one because I I, I think – what I'm looking at is a team that somehow finds a way to win. Like you said, they, they've they've also been sneakily, you know, uh, on a streak themselves. Like they've only had a couple losses all season, and and they've done it again, changing their i not changing their identity as the team, but losing their best player. And when you can do that and still end up the one seed, there's something special. And I think Derek Henry coming back in any form really sparks up this team. And, and on the flip side, you know, I'm really interested to see how Tennessee's defense plays. Like you said, I mean, it's, it's been up and down sometimes, but like Bud Dupree is one of my favorite guys, right? He came over from Pittsburgh in the offseason last year and man, he can rush a passer and I'm really excited to see what he can do against, against that Cincinnati line. And I I'm I honestly think that we're going to see from Vrabel a, a lot of different stuff going on on defense, especially with his old position, the outside linebacker and, I think Bud Dupree is one of the most talented guys. I mean, last year is him and JJ Watt and 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 it was in uh, TJ Watt. And it was incredible to watch, but Bud Dupree was providing a lot of pressure and he's doing the same thing here in Tennessee, but I'm really excited in the playoffs to see what happens on that side of the ball. Cause I think you're right. It comes down to the quarterback position and it comes down to can Tennessee make Burrow, not play the way Joe Burrow has been playing, which has been dominant. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's it's all about the Titans' defense to me. I mean, since they're buying Week 13, they're they're third in expected points averaged, uh, and or expected points added. Sorry, and they're top five in ex- explosive plays allowed uh, all season long. So, uh, Joe Burrow going into that as a as uh, in his first playoff game. Uh, it's on the road. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, he's he's only played one road games since thanksgiving has burrow <clears throat> uh, and three of us four lowest yards per average were on the on the road this season so um, i don't know the the tennessee defense is going to be a lot to handle uh, quarterbacks in their first road playoff game are 6 and 15 straight up 9 and 12 against the spread give me the titans
0: so i mean look both are uh, both are great cases and I, I think the the name you said, not Bud Dupree, but Mike Vrabel is the main reason why if you're going to rely on, or if you're going to lean on Tennessee, it, it's that Mike Vrabel in big games when he's had to, has had his teams ready to go. And, and they have almost, oh, I mean, think about this. Like Vrabes was the coach on the opposite side of, of the sideline when Tom Brady played his last game for the Pats. You know, uh, this is a big game. And Tennessee's been working towards this for a while, and they've been in the playoffs consistently the last few years since Vrabel's been there. Um, the I just I, – I don't – see, now I'm starting to second-guess myself, but I, I still just like Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati's offense is going to be able to score points. And, and not to say that Tennessee's defense isn't good, but they're not great in the secondary, uh, and, and they're just okay at stopping the run. I think they'll be able to generate pressure, but we've learned that – if Joe Bra- if uh, Joe Burrow wants to get the ball out quickly, he can do that. If Joe Burrow needs to expend extend plays and make plays with his legs, he can do that too. Uh, Oak uh, almost at Oakland. Las Vegas did some good things in the second half of that game to slow down Cincinnati, but I also felt like Cincinnati felt like they had they put their you know foot off the pedal a little bit. And when I look at this game, I think it's just going to be a little crazy. And I think one of the three games, the underdog's going to win. And I think it's in this game. So I'm going to take Cincinnati to cover and to win outright on the money line. Um, I just, I'm a Joe Burrow believer. You know, I, it's mm-hmm. like, I, I believe in Vrabel the coach more than I believe in Zach Taylor, but I believe in Joe Burrow more than I believe in Tannehill. I think throwing the ball is going to absolutely have to matter in this game, especially because we just don't know what we're getting out of Derek Henry. So Tannehill is going to have to do something. He's going to have to show something in order for Tennessee to win. And if you're relying on a guy who hasn't played, Again, if you're making a bet that like, hey, if you have one person that you can bet that on, like Derek Henry would be on the short list of guys that would yeah. be like, yeah, I'm going to bet that that dude can come in off the street and, and still be productive and still be dominant because he's just that much of a freak. Um, but as we stand right now, I just I'm a believer in Joe Burrow and between even though I love Mike Vrabel, he's not going to be on the field. You know, Joe, Joe Burrow is. And I think he makes enough plays and and I just don't see them finding any way to to slow down Jamar chase and T Higgins like T Higgins wasn't even a factor last week. Cause he didn't have to be, they had so many weapons. They were able to throw the ball to, and you have to count on Joe Mixon too, the third leading rusher this year, right? We've all been waiting on the Joe Mixon breakout season, especially those who play fantasy, you know, that, but this year, we finally saw it. And the difference it makes in that offense is, is going to be huge. Um, but if Tennessee is disruptive at the at the point of attack on the defensive line then yeah absolutely I, I think Tennessee can win this game but I just I'm riding with with Joe Burrow man that dude is Joe cool to the max so give me uh, give me Joey B All right you guys are on Tennessee I'm on Cincinnati taking the points uh, next game Saturday night we have over Sanford- under oh sorry good call Scotty thank you um, over unders at 47 and a half for this game
2: over.
1: Way over. <laughs> yeah, I just the way that, that that both teams can move the ball. And I, I expect Tannehill to get aggressive early uh, with with AJ Brown and Julio Jones and uh, even Westbrook Kikine out of the slot. I mean, yeah, they're they're gonna move the ball.
2: I agree, Scott. I think that the air game, I think there's gonna be a lot of focus on Derrick Henry and and I think they're just gonna play the linebackers, right? If there's seven in the box and the safeties aren't dropping then they're going to run. If they start creeping up, I bet you they're giving Tannehill the green light. to let's start seeing you let it rip down the side to these tall, aggressive, pretty legendary
0: receivers right now. I'm going to take the under. I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I see this being a, a, a little Contrary. sloppy. I, <laughs> maybe some, some would say in, in certain <laughs> circles. Um, I, I think this game's just going to be a little sloppy. Uh, I, I think it'll be, like I said, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be tight down the end. Um, but I think it's just going to be a little sloppy and and I think Tennessee is going to, I think Tennessee especially is going to start off slow on offense, right? Not really sure what they're getting out of Derrick Henry, all that stuff included. Uh, And Tennessee hasn't been like a, a rocket missile throwing deep balls all the time type of offense. They're not like a, a super explosive offense and they like being able to run the ball, whether it's with. Uh, you know, Foreman and, and Hilliard or whether it's with Derek Henry. Uh, and Cincinnati, we have seen them strike, but we've also seen them have a, a good amount of three and outs and stalled drives and, and their kicker, McPherson. And that's another sneaky thing here too. Do you, do you trust Fat Randy more than you trust the rookie McPherson? I mean, McPherson, that, that dude is awesome. The kicker for Cincinnati, it is so rare to find a, a kicker as a rookie who comes in and is like one of the best three kickers in football. And that's what he's been. So I know that sounds silly, but in playoff games, man, like that could be the difference right there. So yeah, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the under here. I just think it'll be a little sloppy in the first half. Um, And I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I'm really excited for that game. Like I I believe out of all the games, that's the one that can go either way. Like you can make the argument for either team, the easiest. I I think like Kansas city and Buffalo is obviously also a really tight game. We'll get there, but that game it's probably harder to figure out, whereas I feel like I have a pretty decent feel about how this game is going to go, but I can see it going either way at the same time. Um, Sorry. Saturday night, 8.15 on Fox. Is this the Aikman-Buck broadcast, Scotty?
1: I hope not, for my sake.
0: <laughs> well, I think they only have one. Yeah, they only have one game. So, yep, you're getting Aikman and Buck. Can it be I, Gus I...
1: Johnson and Akib Talib, please?
0: I I actually don't. I I love love Joe buck. I love Joe buck. Um, Oh yeah. He's great in football. I don't what? Yeah. That's a hot take. Why don't you like Joe buck?
2: I I think a lot of it comes down to some of his, he, he thinks everything like I'll never forget the highlight of Randy Moss mooning the crowd thinking it's absolutely hilarious. And Joe, like he should be ashamed of himself. I'm like, come on, man. Like, no, that is not the take. He, he has a lot of takes that I just disagree with wholeheartedly. I think he's at calling the game. He's okay, but he throws a couple out there each game. And I'm like, come on, man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I will, I will say in his defense, because I think a lot of people hold on to that same sentiment. Like, why does everybody hate Joe Buck? Like, cause it, it's true. And, and I've heard him, he's been a friend of like part of my take and some other pods. And I've actually listened to his own pod too. He's, he's not that, that guy anymore. Like, especially even just in his, his own, like, lane of broadcasting games. I think a lot of it early on in his career, he was trying to be like his dad. He was trying to be like he he didn't really have his voice yet. And I think he's very comfortably found a good voice. Um and, and I don't know. In my opinion, I think he's the best play by play guy we have. So like like when we have when the Eagles are playing or whatever, we get bucked even like last week, like I'll take Joe Buck over pretty much anyone else. Um, you know, I think it's cool. Like obviously Al Michaels is like Uh, that's what i have yeah but i you know he's not throwing his he hasn't been throwing his fastball in five or six years minimum you know he's kind of just there as the og and i I, again don't get me wrong love al michaels but uh i'm a a joe buck defender i'm a joe buck stand because he's (laughs) he's very funny and and i think he's grown a little bit from that that stance um next game Niners and Packers Fox 815. We've gone through all of that. Green Bay is a five and a half point favorite. This is the biggest spread we have here in the divisional round. Obviously the Niners coming in as the underdog. Um, I don't know if I saw enough last week to fully buy into the Niners, right? Because I think Green Bay is a significantly better team, significantly better coach than what Dallas was uh, and, and playing in Lambeau is a lot different than playing in AT&T Stadium. Uh which is an unbelievable Jerry's World's unbelievable building, but I I just the elements, everything else and then on top of the fact you're talking about how good Green Bay has been. I think we're looking at two completely different games. So Scotty, this is your team. Give me the layout, man. Give me the rundown. What what a, like in a perfect world, how does a how does a 49ers win happen on Saturday night?
1: In a perfect world, uh, Jimmy is able to overcome a shoulder injury in the cold. We run the ball effectively with not just Elijah Mitchell, but uh, with, with the quorum of Ronnie Max. Uh, we were able to slow that offensive line down on, de- on, on, on defense and, uh, and get Bosa involved to, to sack Aaron Rodgers 72 times setting the record for number of sacks in any game in the NFL. Uh, if, although if they have 72 snaps, that's probably a problem. Uh, but anyway, (laughs) um, now look, man, they, they, they got some problems, right? Uh, limited in practice. Uh, the other day was Aziz Alshire, who just came back. That was a huge, uh, help in our secondary, uh, against the, against the Cowboys. He did a lot to, to cover up CD and, uh, and Amari Cooper over the middle as well. Uh, Garoppolo, not only the thumb, but his shoulder is, is now injured. Uh, Drake Greenlaw has, has been banged up. Marcel Harris in the linebacking core banged up. Uh, Elijah Mitchell was limited in practice the other day. Um, Ambry Thomas, another uh, DB, and, and Fred Warner as well. Uh, Nick, Nick Bosa didn't even practice at all until uh, I think he was limited today. Um, and so that's, that's going to be a problem, right? Those are, those are some big name guys that, that contribute a lot of production. Uh, so it's not only the health, but again, the elements that we talked about, it's going to be cold in Lambeau. So the more banged up you are, the harder it is to, uh, to get loose and and shake off any, even if it's a, a nagging, uh, Nick of an injury, um, uh, we'll see. I mean, if the, if the secondary can play the way that they did, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they got a, a, a number of wide receivers in Green Bay, similar to uh, to uh, what they had in, uh, although albeit with less star power in uh, in Dallas. But uh, uh, it, it's going to be interesting. You can't go one on one with Devonte Smith. We saw that in the first game that they played against each other this year, uh, in what week three or something like that. So uh, you got to find ways to to scheme up. You, the, how you cover and on the backside and and still be able to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers to make him, uh, to make him uncomfortable. I, I don't I don't know what you do on offense because that defense has, has been lights out. Um, I don't. Know. <laughs> you got to r- run the ball effectively like you did against Dallas and and hope for a dream start where you can get up, ten nothing, thirteen nothing, something seventeen nothing, something like that.
2: Well, I mean, I think that's. That's it, Scotty, because the last time they played, I mean, Green Bay got up 17 nothing. Uh, then it was the 49ers coming back. And, you know, that was a couple weeks ago, right? I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Um, so, or was that early in the season? Oh, that was early in the season. But um, yeah, It was I'm like sorry, week was three. Mixing, yeah, yeah, week <laughs> three, I think. Uh, but I think with this game, what we have to also look at is, is just who San Francisco is as a team. And when you think about the finish of the year, they were third in defense, I think like seventh in offense. They're right. They have all of these players. They're a balanced team. Now, obviously, they had a little hit on defense, but it's it's still they shut down the number one offense from the regular season, right? I mean, they effectively dominated that that game on defense. It was really impressive to see. And I think Green Bay having this week off, I can tell you what the narrative will be. I think if, if Green Bay does lose, it'll be like, did the bye week hurt them? Was that not what they need, right? All that. But I really do think there's something to it this time. Like with Sam Fran and just what they've been able to do um, to take down that offense and do it in the way they did, that's got to be really, that's got to be really like, you know, that's got to build their confidence a lot going against, you know, someone who, who, you know, is probably not with MVP and Aaron Rodgers, you know, definitely in that conversation. So can they do it again to that extent? I don't know, man. I mean, I, I like the Niners, but. The Packers are just a team I feel like when they need to turn it on, they do. And that's a really hard thing to have in the NFL.
0: 100%. And the the Packers have been all season the most complete team in the NFL. Uh, It's absurd. Like I'm I'm looking at the statistic breakdown, right, of just like raw numbers, right? Just looking at yards and, and, and receptions and that kind of stuff. I mean, they have six guys over 300 yards receiving, one of which is uh, Randall Cobb, who's been on IR, and he's coming back for this game as well. Uh, They have three guys over 400 receiving yards. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different guys who've caught a passing touchdown this year. The only one not playing is Robbie Tuns, who's out for the season with the torn ACL earlier this year. And then – Aaron, I mean, looking at the rushing, right? They have between A.J. Dillon, who actually finished the season as the leading rusher for Green Bay over Aaron Jones, only four yards separated them, but 803 yards for A.J. Dillon and 799 yards for Aaron Jones. Talking about 1,500 yards of rushing from your running backs. And because they have two of them, you're going to be able to kind of, you know, bring them one out, bring the other one in. Like you're going to be able to supplement that and, and continue to have fresh legs there. That's huge. And off a bye. Yeah, and coming off of a bye. Uh, and you're talking about playing in these cold weather, right? Like running the ball is going to be important. The biggest difference, you know, and we can say too, like, oh yeah, the Cowboys are stacked to their O line and, and they're running game, running backs and their wide receivers and all that stuff. The biggest difference in these two offenses that San Francisco is going up against here is who the quarterback is. And I, I'm a Dak defender. I still believe that Dak is definitely a top 10, probably in that top seven range for quarterbacks in the NFL, it's hard to statistically. It's hard to argue against that, but I get in big moments. He hasn't been great. You're going up against one of the three greatest quarterbacks ever. Like statistically, he like, by the time Aaron Rodgers retires, I mean the numbers are just absurd. And he's not just by the way like raw numbers. It's the efficiency. Mm-hmm. Like his career quarterback rating is off the charts. Like he is on. He is so good at so many different things. He's so experienced in so many different ways. And just something as simple as like. The the last play right that was controversial that Dak screwed up. Aaron Rodgers isn't making that mistake, and I understand that. Like, I don't think Green Bay is even going to be in that situation. But there's just little things about being on, on this stage that I just don't see Aaron Rodgers screwing up because he he just doesn't. He doesn't you know, when they he when really they just lose, doesn't. And when they've lost the and, and the NF, NFC Championship game all those times, it's not been Aaron Rodgers' fault. No, Aaron Rodgers is the reason they're there to begin with most of the time.
2: And and so, going back to your main point, I mean, think about this. Aaron Rodgers is the only quarterback where his career like QB rating is over 100. And it's 104. The next closest is Steve Young and Tom Brady. And they're at 96.6.8. Wow. Like it's a gap. And 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 he's on the high side of that. It's almost, right. I mean, that's crazy to think about. He's eight to nine points above anyone who's ever played the game.
0: Mm hmm. I mean, the, again, the efficiency, the decision-making, in addition to just the natural talent, it, it, it puts him on another level. And, and honestly, like, Brady has the heritage but and the history behind him and the championships and all that stuff. But if Aaron Rodgers is in New England, right, like, like, we, like we can – there's context surrounding it, and, and I still don't – I hate the idea of betting against Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers is still the best quarterback I've ever seen in my lifetime. He's not the greatest. I've made this distinction on this pod before, right? The greatest is the accolades and the achievements and all that other stuff. The, the best is when I watch football with my eyes, who is the best to do it? And there's no one better than Aaron Rodgers. And that's just the offensive side of it, right? The defense for Green Bay is stacked. starting at the defensive line, right? You're going to have Rashawn Gary, who's that outside linebacker type, who's going to be able to rush the passer a ton in this game. He's probably going to go one-on-one against Trent Williams, which should be a really fun matchup to watch. You have Kenny Clark, who has cemented himself as one of the best three techniques in football. You have fantastic outside corners, right? Razzle Douglas coming in and and having this unbelievable career year is huge, but still you have Jair Alexander. Yeah, absolutely. You have Jair Alexander who has been spectacular, Who is one of the best quarterbacks in football, but he's been hurt most of the year. So he's going to be fresh. And we're, we're not talking about that getting beat up like Derrick Henry was, where it's like, oh, he's missed all this time. No, like he can go out and shut a guy down as long as he stays healthy. And the back end of it, you know, Darnell Savage and uh, Adrian Amos, uh, Devondre Campbell has been a revelation this year, 146 total tackles on the season. He's been all over the place. So I don't see San Francisco being able to consistently move the ball for a full four quarters. Could they get up early, like you were saying, Scott? Because Debo and George Kittle are both fantastic players. Absolutely. But I think they're gonna have to keep George Kittle into block a little bit because he's huge in their in their you know running game as a blocker. And then how much are you going to be able to use him as a pass catcher? And then with Debo, it's like, well, if Debo's splitting reps at wide receiver and at running back and using him all the time, his touches might go up. But how much of a rhythm is that offense going to be in there? So I I'm very curious to see the game plan for San Francisco, but minus five and a half, it is a big gap. I'm taking green Bay here to win, cover the spread, move on to the NFC championship game.
2: I am too. I gotta say, I I'm, I'm taking them. And uh, I just think, even though the 49ers did a great job last week, man, Scotty, you should be proud of your team. Unbelievable. I I don't think it's going to hold up against the Packers in Lambeau and that that might be and, and especially with the weather we've been having guys i mean let's just talk about that it's going to be it's going to be a a wild game and and the crazy part is you still trust aaron rodgers throwing in any of those conditions so
1: mm-hmm. 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 um so the packers are 4 and 4 against the 49ers overall in the playoffs <clears throat> uh, aaron rodgers uh, in the in the playoffs is 11 and 9 Uh, and and has a five and three record in the playoffs at Lambeau field Uh, of the games against he's played against the 49ers in the playoffs. He has a losing record. It continues today in the 49ers cover on Saturday.
0: They cover, but do they win? Yes. All right. I'd be disappointed in you if you didn't. I agree. Take that. I, I would be. Yeah, that, that's it's, the right call. It's the correction. It uh, it's going to be 12 degrees Whew. at a, a kickoff. It's going to be It's gonna be a cold night in Lambeau. Um, and, and I'll say, I mean, one last little fact. Packers haven't lost at home this year. They're 8-0, looking to move on to 9-0. 8-1. Uh, <laughs> maybe. We'll see. Maybe, we will see. It, uh, it'll be interesting. Over-under is set at 47 in this game. Really? Yeah. over
1: no, I'm taking the under. Uh, Green. This game's going to be all defense, like especially with the weather. You're not going to ask Aaron Rodgers to do a ton, especially with uh, the way he can probably exploit the secondary. Uh, and number two, on the defensive side of the ball for the Packers, you're getting Zadarius Smith back. You've got Jair Alexander back. Both of those are all pros. And they, and on the offense, you're getting David Bakhtieri back. The Packers did just fine without all three of those guys uh, for most of the year, so... Uh, I think it's it, defense is going to have a heavy hand in this game. I'm taking the under.
0: I'm with you, Vito. I am taking the over um, because I think this is going to be one of the couple of blowouts we have in this game in this 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 playoffs. I I'm think I think bills last week that's what I'm thinking.
2: Even though maybe not as <laughs> not as bad, maybe but not like as score, bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They get off to a hot start, and even though it's cold, I think the the, the home team is
0: going to score
1: a bunch. That's You're what right. 38, Thirty-eight ten Niners.
0: <laughs> I think, I think the Niners score early, right? I do think they get a couple of touchdowns in, but I think the longevity of the whole game, especially how good the Packers have been in the second half yeah. this year. I think the Packers light it up. I think they're scoring 30 plus easily. So it's just a matter of, Hey, do we think that, you know, the, the Niners can put up a few touchdowns, maybe field goal, which I think they will. So yeah, I'm going to take the Packers here and uh, taking the over as well. So Vito and I both Green Bay in the over and Scotty San Francisco and the under, moving to Sunday, Rams, Buccaneers. These are the two best games, I, I think, uh, in terms of just matchup and the way that they've looked. This rams Bucks game has me, my brain in, it, in an absolute pretzel right now, right? Because if the Rams play the way that they did on, on what was it, Monday night, defensively, like, they were unbelievable defensively. The amount of pressure generation – like Aaron Donald was just a one-man wrecking crew. And with Tampa Bay, we don't know what's up with Tristan Wirfs. Um, he's been limited in practice all week. When he's in, I mean, he was, in all, he was the all-pro right tackle this year. He was first-team all-pro. The dude has had a fantastic season. He matters to them. They have to be able – And the thing was, just like, they didn't have to run the ball against Philly – right? They didn't do a great job of it. I mean, they still got more than they probably should have. Um, and they were able to do more in the short passing game. They're not going to be able to do that against against LA and especially not without their all-pro right tackle. This game, and I know it sounds contradictory considering that we're, you know, we're talking about the quarterbacks, but this game's going to come down to the line of scrimmage. Because if the Eagles were able to generate pressure at, at certain points in that game and actually do a good job against Tom Brady, like And that's a bad defense doing that against a healthy offensive line. What are the Rams going to be able to do against this offensive line that's a little bit more banged up? The backup for Tampa Bay is also a little bit banged up. And Josh Wells, Aaron Stinney went into that game at some point, another JMU alum. There's two JMU alums on the Buccaneers offensive line, which I find hilarious for whatever reason. So I, I look at this as saying, this game's going to get won or lost in the trenches. And it goes both ways. Like, which offensive line holds up better against the other's defensive line? And right now, I give the edge slightly to Tampa Bay, even though that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You're talking about Aaron Donald. But that front four for Tampa Bay is filthy. And we should say, oh, who's going to win at quarterback? But that's not where football's won. Football won in the trenches. And Matt Safford's been up and down all year. I don't know if I love this matchup for him. Remember, also, the Rams blew the doors off of kick the shit out of Tampa Bay earlier this season. Do we see a little bit of revenge here from two teams that we saw play earlier? And does Tampa Bay get it at home on Sunday afternoon?
1: No, the, the Rams are, are going to take advantage of what the Eagles didn't uh, the, the uh, Buck safeties were out there for a season high of 51 snaps with, uh, with three safeties on the field, and the Eagles could not take advantage. Matt Stafford in the offense is going to absolutely torch that defense if they keep running that, that system uh, with three safeties on the field. Uh, I think they're going to do a much better job than the Eagles, believe that. Uh, no offense, Jeff. Um, against the Blitz, too, Stafford was 7 of 9 for 148 yards uh, in, in their, uh, in their wild card game. So I, I just, I have a fee, and the, the Cardinals are one of the higher blitzing teams. So, uh, I, I have a feeling that, uh, like you said, it's going to be one or lost in the trenches. And I think the Rams offensive line is going to be able to, uh, to hold off the defensive line enough. And I think they're going to, to handedly win the battle on the defensive line, uh, and get at the quarterback. So I like the Rams a lot here in this matchup.
2: Ah man, I mean, first of all, Jeff, you're so right. These Sunday matchups are incredible. And this one, I mean, these could be the championship games, and no one would complain. Mm -mm. And and the Rams and Bucks starting it off. I'm I I just I would love to bet on the Rams defense, but I can't bet against Tom Brady. It's this weird thing where like I wish they just switched quarterbacks and I would take the Rams, you know, every single day. But this is this is actually tough. I can't, I can't go against. Tampa, though, at home with Brady in the playoffs, but this is the closest I've ever come to, to doing something like that. I mean, the Rams are just—they're—I think they're a great team. You have some legendary players on defense, three of them, let alone other Pro Bowlers. Like this team is such a stacked talent pool, like on offense and defense. I mean, think about Cooper Cup and just everything he can do, right? Like, I know the Bucks have some really great players. Talked about Whitehead last week or uh, on the Tuesday, Wednesday pod. Um, and, you know, when you look at what Cooper Cup can do, he can match up against anyone. You get a linebacker on him, done. You get a safety on him, he's done. And, and I like what you're saying, Scotty, about the safety matchup but and how many the bucks were playing. But I, I just think that this offense and these playmakers on the Rams are such good mismatches on offense and defense. It's really hard to bet against them in a playoff situation where the Bucks you know, they, they've, they've done well. They're in the playoffs. It's Tom Brady, but for some reason, man, like I I just really hold the Rams in high regard. I'm going with the bucks, but I think this is going to be a really close game and I would not be surprised if the Rams pulled this off.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams do either. Um, but I'm, I'm in that same mode that you are in veto, right? I spent all week thinking, I think the Rams are going to do it. I think, I think the Rams are going to do it. Like, I, I really talked myself into it and, like, not just, like, gut feeling, like, logic, like, putting in the whole package there, adding in all the context. The one thing that has held me off was that the Buccaneers team we saw against Philly was not the Buccaneers team we've seen all season, right? When you hit playoff mode, uh, when Tom Brady's your quarterback, things change, right? Your your overall mindset completely Flips, and we saw that last year, right? We saw that in the Washington game, even though that game was was closer than a lot of people remember, right? We saw it in the game against Green Bay in the NFC Championship game, and of course, we saw it in the Super Bowl when they were just flat out dominant. When we were saying the same things about Kansas City, right? Or we were saying the same things about the Kansas City that we're talking about the Rams now and that offense, right? We're talking about yeah, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and all these weapons and Patrick Mahomes and like how are we going to do it? And Patrick Mahomes is great against the blitz and, and, and all these same. Things we talked about, but Brady, like, don't get it twisted. Like, Brady is the leader of this team. Like, Bruce Arians is the coach, but that team goes where Brady goes. And Brady is just as responsible for the defense and, and how the defense is locked in mentality-wise, you know, than, than Arians is or than Todd Bowles is. And I, that team came out with such a ferocity on sa- on Sunday afternoon last week in a way that, like, I was like, oh, this isn't the team that almost lost to the Jets a couple weeks ago that was a team that was getting ready for this run and now that they're here like I buy into that I buy into that mentality you know Belichick was always famous for how he would kind of taper his team to be ready to go like I don't don't know how much you guys know about swimming but I used to coach and was a competitive swimmer in my youth and one of the things that you you do is before you hit like your league championships or like states or into that stuff is you do what's called tapering, right? Which is that you train hard as fuck all year and you have these crazy hard swim practices. And then by the time you're, you get to that like two weeks before whatever big races, the Olympics or whatever you're swimming in, you start to taper, which are longer swims, less, uh, you know, less uh, difficult for a lack of a better word. You're putting less stress on your body. And it's because you've put in the work, to get yourself ready for the run, for, for whatever that main race is. And that's how Belichick always built his teams, and that's what we saw from Tampa Bay last year, which is that you're going to have tough games, you're going to have games where you're not all locked in, you're going to lose. Like Tampa Bay went 13-4 and this year, right? They lost. They're a great team, obviously, but they still lost four games, and they could have been five if Zach Wilson's able to punch at a yard, and they would have lost to the Jets too. But when they get to this point in the year, they're ready for this run. And tapering for them kind of starts in like December. And then by the time, boom, we hit it, we're ready to go for the playoffs. It's time to let it ride. That's how these teams are built. And I just don't see, like Tampa Bay proved something, even against an inferior opponent, that like, even without God, they're still by far the team team that everyone should be looking out for in the playoffs because it's Tom Brady and, and that defense played better than they've played all year. So I'm taking Tampa Bay to win this game. I think they win comfortably. Uh, right now the spread is at three on the dot towards Tampa Bay, minus three. I'm taking the Bucks. Vita, you're taking the Bucks. Scott, are you still on the Rams?
1: Um. I expect this line to move off of three, so logic tells me I shouldn't. Uh, but it's Tom Brady. I'm gonna go to the box. I just I had this. I, I closed my them. eyes and I closed my eyes and saw in my head just like uh, the the Rams secondary shaking their heads on the sideline, and I was like, "Yep, that's enough for me." Tom Brady. It is.
0: <laughs> yeah, and by the way, with all that being said, the Rams are talented enough that if they do win this game, I'm not going to be terribly surprised. I just, in my heart of hearts, I'm just, I'm not going against Tom Brady in the way that that team has has built to this moment. And they did it last year. So I'm can not going to bet against them.
2: Can you believe he's 44? Like just saying that out loud. Like I remember growing up, like, I don't know. I remember when dad was 44 and I could not have imagined him be, like playing in the NFL. I don't know. This is crazy, right? Like he's 44 like, old.
1: Have you seen some of these TikToks that have like, uh, I think it's like Madden 04, 05. Somebody's playing. They're looking at the rosters. It's like Patrick Sertan, that guy's kids in the league now.
0: <laughs> Asante are going up
1: and down the rosters. Yeah. And it's like, it's ridiculous. The the names that, that they bring up. It's so, it's so funny.
0: Well, so I don't have like the most recent version of Madden I have is Madden 15. And so every once in a while, I'll just like plug it in. And I have like a franchise mode that's gone. Like, I think it's up to the year 2019 now. So I've done like four seasons with it. But it was funny because I was I was playing I was doing a game whatever in my franchise mode and I was playing the Jets and their quarterback is EJ Manuel who was like a oh, buddy no who's yeah. like a friend of mine the guy I work with and so I sent him I sent him a, a picture of it I'm like yo I'm whooping your ass right now in Madden 15 <laughs> <laughs> oh man I love that yeah and he he was telling me he's like I actually he's like I wanted to go to the Jets he's like I didn't want to go to Buffalo I wanted to go to the Jets and I was like really you know we had a little talk about it was funny by the way i know i promised that interview forever ago he is i talked to him he is going to come on the pod uh probably before uh or after the super bowl so nice didn't give up on that um over or under it's at 48 in this game Scotty, you go first
1: uh i'm gonna go i'm gonna go under i think the rams are gonna struggle to run um uh, even though they ran really well last week, it's going to be tough uh, against uh, this defensive line in particular. And then if uh, if that that Rams defensive line is going to do what I think they're going to do, Tom Brady is one of the best at getting the ball out quick. And he's going to be just dinking and dunking, I think, uh, for the larger uh, lion's share of this game. So I'm going to take the under.
2: I'm going to, I'm going to go over. And I don't know if this is just wishful thinking that I'm taking all these overs, but like I- – I don't know, even though this guy was born in the seventies, he can still sling it like crazy. So um, God, that's I, crazy. I know. I Everything I look at it, it's crazy. Um, but I, I think, I think both of these quarterbacks Stafford he, remember how many times he threw for 5,000 yards in, in Detroit. Um, you know, I, I think, and especially 4,000, he had a ton of those too. He, he crushed it. and And I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with this offense, continuing the playoffs. I think we'll see both of them kind of pop off. And uh, I'm going over. I hope at least.
0: Yeah. I see. I like Tampa Bay, regardless of what I'm about to say here, but for the over or under is where I'm really split is because I just don't know which version of Matt Stafford we're going to get. Are we going to get the self imploding Matt Stafford who just came off the emotional high of winning his first playoff game. And now he's going to win another one. You know, like what, like what version of Matt Stafford do we get? Because I think Tampa Bay wins the game either way. If it's good Matt Stafford or if it's bad Matt Stafford, but if it's bad Matt Stafford, then I think, the under is probably going to hit here, but if it's good, then we could be talking about like a 28 to 24 type game, in which case, yeah, like the over is going to hit. So I'm reluctantly going to put my faith in Matt Stafford here. and I'm going to take the over. Um, if nothing else, I think Tampa Bay might be able to put up some points and, uh, and take it there uh, last game and probably the most anticipated game of the weekend, the Buffalo bills in Kansas city uh, to play the chiefs right now, Kansas City is a one and a half point favorite. And I think I think that is very again very representative of of how the the public who's not a fan of one team or the other kind of feels going into this game because we've seen but and it's funny remember on two, so on Wednesday's pod I asked you guys you know if you could have either one at their best who would you rather have Buffalo uh, Josh Allen or or Patrick Mahomes yeah well I was I was listening to a pod that came out after ours uh, it was a Bill Simmons podcast and they had the same conversation. Which I was like, "Hey, maybe we're doing some things right here after all." But I, I it was just a, it's a really interesting debate, and and I think where this comes down to is which team do you like defensively? Because it feels like Kansas City has figured it out, even without being able to throw the deep ball, and that's really scary. But we've also seen Buffalo figure it out with an inconsistent running game, where everything's behind Josh Allen. So both of these teams can win without having their offenses be perfect. Both of these teams had really bad stretches throughout the season. This is an impossible game to try to guess.
2: Man, I, th- I actually think it all comes down to defense, like you're saying, and-, and the difference is the Bills have number one and KC had number like 27. You know, I, I, think-, I think it comes down to-, to the defense, like you're saying, and-, and that's why I'm going Buffalo here. I mean, I believe in Josh Allen. I believe in Patty Mahomes. It's hard to say the way that, um, you know, Josh Allen played last week that he's not going to continue just lighting it up. And Mahomes, with those weapons, can turn it on in any game. So, which one do you think will be contained enough to win, right? I think the offense, like both teams' offenses, are going to go off. It's whoever gets one or two or three stops in a row, if anyone can get a turnover or two. And if you look at the defenses, I mean, I'm, I'm taking the Bills in that case, right? I mean, just with their roster and how many guys have made some plays over this season. I'm really excited to see, you know, what they can all do um, especially against a Casey offense that has been streaky, right? Like we've seen them go on cold streaks. So can Buffalo really contain them and, and, you know, kind of force them into being that, that, that style. Uh, I, I mean, just think about, you know, a lot of these different players on defense, Jadavis White, um, you know, Micah Hyde, a lot of these guys that, probably have now faced mahomes a couple times in their career and now that mahomes isn't playing his best I, I always like to see that too right like your expectation of someone is going to be very high and if it's a little down do you get any confidence to go break on a ball where normally it's pat mahomes i'm i'm going to you know wait back and and any one of those little hesitations by mahomes and you know boost of confidence and adrenaline by by the defense can result in a pick and that's the game so i'm going with buffalo because of the defense
1: yeah, I, I love the the call on their defense. It's, and it's not just the talent that they have, which is absolutely elite. Uh, it, it's the way that Leslie Frazier draws up schemes, right? I mean, they're they're really good in in what we thought last week was all phases, but the run, and they're still kind of pretty good at the run. And they shut down the running game of the Patriots last week, which has been stellar all season long. The Chiefs having said all that, have a mental edge, right? They've been in this position before. They know what it takes to get there and to get to the top of the mountain. I just think that that what Leslie Frazier does on defense is is help you scheme up a, a, a design that will make even the best feel uncomfortable, right? So uh, agreed, Vito. All you have to do is get Mahomes uncomfortable. And now I don't care if you're they're going to give you that play in front of them, right? Like give, go ahead, throw it to Pringle over the middle for five, like, but we're not going to give you the explosive play and we're not going to blitz you. We're going to force you to make a decision over the middle or try to throw deep. Um, I, I just think that's going to be too much for the, for the chiefs offense to handle. And then on defense, you can get some semblance of a running game going against that defensive line. Watch out because then you get in a little play action and, and, Josh Allen's going to be ripping the ball uh, all over the field. So uh, I I like the Chiefs in the mental aspects. I, I think I'm going to take the Bills as my lock of the week, though, against the spread.
0: Wow. Wow. That's and yeah, quick go ahead, stat Beard.
2: correction. No, I was, I was calling it Travis White. I mean, Taron Johnson's been playing corner. But anyway, because um, Stravius White got injured, like, way yeah. back
0: at Thanksgiving. but Yeah. Um, yeah, that's... I mean – I, I, I totally get where y'all are coming from. I, I, and I'm very torn on this game, right? I can see it going both ways. Uh, Josh Allen is a monster. He is. And, you know, let's not forget these two teams played this year on Sunday night and the bills mm-hmm. won 38 to 20. That was a very different bills team than what we saw. Our very different Kansas city team than what we're, we've seen, you know, of late since that Tennessee loss where they lost 27 to three. The Packers have given up 17, 7, 14, 9, 9, 9, 28, 10, and then 34 to the Bills, right? So multiple single digits, a lot of in the teens, and then you have the two outliers, the Chargers game, which was crazy, and then the uh, Bengals game in week 17, that was crazy as well. This is a different Chiefs defense, and they have the added advantage of like, hey, we played this team once this year. And we know what we can expect from them offensively. We've seen them. We got the shit kicked out of us. So we have to show up. We have to, you know, be the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I like Andy Reid more than I like Sean McDermott, even though I like both. This is also interesting because McDermott coached under Andy Reid. He's a part of that Andy Reid treat. Right, he was the defensive coordinator in Philly for a couple of years after Jim Johnson ah. passed away,
1: and we've seen we've seen coordinators beat their former head coaches before this year in on the big stage.
0: We have in the uh, college football national championship game, right? It's it's not an uncommon thing, but in so many check marks when it comes to the experience and being here, I just lean Kansas City, and I, I think again, like betting public. All right. Everyone's, I think again, because of the way this is going, everyone's kind of on uh, you know, Buffalo for this. I think the public perceptions on Buffalo, I think objectively people just like the new blood, right? We've seen, like we said, Kansas city has been to four straight AFC championship games and three straight super bowls, right? Teams want to see a different version, uh, you know, uh, or a different representative, at least playing in, in the super bowl in the biggest stage. That being said, There is no substitute for experience Um, and Kansas city has things rolling right now. I, I think it could be a really tough game, but I really like Kansas city. I think Kansas city is, is probably the best team in the AFC. And I also think you can't overestimate how impactful emotionally that game against new England was last week for Buffalo, right? That was as big of a game as they've played all year. And now they got to come up and they have to play a better team, a more dangerous team, uh, and arguably as good of a defense, at least from, again, that loss against the Titans, in which was, what, week 10 or week 9? Uh, and through the rest of the season, where Kansas City's been a top-five defense against relatively good offensive teams, too. I mean, I know the Packers win was Jordan Love, but, but I don't know. I, I, I feel good about Kansas City in this game. I'm going to take the Chiefs to cover the one-and-a-half and to be back in the AFC Championship. Uh, and and look, another thing to bring up here about Buffalo, Buffalo has been building their roster for this moment, right? The last two drafts, they, they've been building, knowing that there's a guy in Kansas City that they got to go out and beat. They drafted the defensive lineman, They did all this. There's so much riding on this game that the organization as a whole has developed to win this game. They've invested so much money in, on the defensive side of the ball for this specific reason. And still, you mentioned there in Tredavious White, he's their best player on defense. Loaded, complete defense. I like Matt Milano, so many great guys. Micah Hyde. But are they going to be able to do enough in the secondary to slow this team down? And with Jarek McKinnon as this little wildcat kind of option that you never really know what you're going to get from him, the play designs, and Travis Kelsey, is a, I think is a really problematic matchup for for Buffalo. You know, there is no guy that you can put one-on-one with Travis Kelsey. So you're going to have to try to play some sort of zone. And that's when Kelsey beats you by far the most, because he knows how to sit in those zones. He's so comfortable with Mahomes as well. I just, I like Kansas city. And and so I'm going to stick with the chiefs here. Um, Scotty had Buffalo. Vito you're on Buffalo. I am. And, uh, I'm taking Kansas city here. Um, which takes us to our over under, um, Scotty uh just disappeared from the zoom. Uh his internet just went out. So uh it might be you and I here riding us out here for a little bit Vito. Um give us your over under here. Right now it is set I believe I'm pulling it up now at 54.
2: Oh. So they're
0: expecting a lot of offense in this game. I mean, I am too, uh, but that's yeah, they're they're pumping that that over, yeah. You are 3 overs by the way up until this point is the trend going to continue are you taking four overs I am
2: because both these quarterbacks are used to throwing in bad weather and I'm excited for the playoffs I think both these guys are going to dominate uh in the air I think Josh Allen on the ground is going to be again something to see it's just so special when a guy like that really doesn't do it too much in the regular season as much and then just gets gets not only like you know the training wheels taken off, but he gets like six extra gears because the, now the coordinator's calling plays for him. Not just saying, Hey, go take off. No, you're running the ball a third of the time for us. Right? Like that's yeah. what I love to see. I think we're going to see a, a big game. Um, a lot of, again, deep balls in the air, a, a lot of streaky runs by both these quarterbacks. Cause Mahomes takes off and gets first downs very well up sidelines too. So I don't want to say anything away from him, but I mean, I think we're. going It's gonna different, see right? Like game. Mahomes is. is
0: Mahomes is the scrambler who's ma- makes something out of nothing. Josh Allen is like an X factor when he runs the ball. Like it's a difference mm-hmm. maker when he's running the ball. Whereas Mahomes, not to say it doesn't make a difference necessarily, but that it is the scrambling on third and seven, and somehow, oh, everyone's covered. Mahomes sneaks up, slides, and all of a sudden you get a first down. and You move the chains. So, yeah. Uh, I really want to take the over with you. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I want I want to bet on this being an epic game. And the way this game turns into being an epic game is with both quarterbacks lighting it up, right? Arguably the two most fun quarterbacks in the NFL we're going to be watching playing one another at the same time. So fuck it. I'm going to take the over too. Let's go.
2: Let's do it. It's more fun. I don't,
0: th- I don't think it's going to, right? Light, what, what do they always say, right? Life's too short to bet the under?
2: Yeah.
0: So I'll, we'll take the over. Um, all right. That is our previews to recap um, again, we'll get Scotty's over under in here before kickoff on Sunday. And hopefully we get him back here shortly. Um, Scotty has Tennessee in the over San Francisco in the under Tampa Bay in the under and then Buffalo slash. We don't know yet. Uh, Vito, you have Tennessee in the over green Bay in the over Tampa Bay in the over and Buffalo in the over. And I have Cincinnati in the under green Bay in the over Tampa Bay and the over and Kansas city and the over a quick break we're going to come back and we're going to talk we're going to talk about a whole year in the books of the read option and uh, looking forward to getting to that on the other side one year ago the first episode of the read option came out and we've had a fantastic like pool of listeners uh every time i look at the map and see where people listen to the show from places like belgium and ireland and the uk and uh, Mexico and, and Canada and like literally like all these different countries and um, even one place in like Bulgaria and like some places like in, in Western Europe and shut that it's just, it blows my mind still um, that, that people turn this on and they go to work or they're doing stuff around the house and they listen to us just kind of, you know, make jokes and talk about football. And, and you know, none of us were NFL players. Uh, we don't have massive what? head massive headline guests or anything um but people still seem to like this and and you know when you when you dive into the amount of podcasts that are started versus ones that hit certain thresholds um a year is is usually like a number that like or a, a threshold a, a timestamp stamp that like 98 percent of podcasts do not make and that's not even like an exaggerated number like that is actually the statistic so the fact that we've we've held on to this thing we've done it a lot um, as you guys listening at home know, I've done a lot of solo pods, right. And, and I love having Scotty and Vito and I tell them all the time how much I appreciate their time, because as you've heard, Scotty bought a house this year, he's got, you know, a, you know, a young family he's trying to start up. Vito works harder than anyone else I know and travels to different cities across the country. And yet they still carve out time to sit down with this jabroni and, and shoot the shit about sports and, and life and so many other random things, uh, and, and, you know, there's a part of me that says, oh, we do it for us because it's such a fun way for the three of us to have got, become as close as we are. Um, but I also and part of it's my industry and what I do for a living. But I'm always thinking about the, the listeners and, and you guys listening, because at the end of the day, like, yeah, it is great for us. And we get a ton out of it. But I want it to be good for the listener. I want people who, who take the time to invest in us to really feel taken care of, to feel like they're getting something out of this, whether it's a laugh whether it's information, um, whether it's just a different way of thinking about things like that's kind of the goal here is that I I always want to keep people uh, and the people listening at at the forefront, because none of this really happens without you, you know, like we could still hop on a zoom and talk for two hours every, you know, once a week, twice a week. And it, it would be roughly the same. But the fact that we get to do it for an audience for people out there is incredibly special. So thank you to everybody. And, and I think the number one thing I felt as we've come up on a year of this is just, is just grateful. I'm grateful for the platform. I'm grateful for the two of you guys. I'm grateful for the people that listen and have listened now for, for over a year uh, of us putting that out there. So um, sincerely from the bottom of my heart, thank you uh, for, for coming along on this and, and for being there because this has been definitely one of the, the, the coolest things that I've added to my life. Um, and it is a high point of my week every single week, even on the, the days where I'm exhausted and I'm like, God, I gotta, I gotta get up. I gotta get things together. It's just been, um, I'm always thankful that I did it at the end of the day. And, uh, and I'm thankful for the two of you guys as well. So, um, with all that being said, I do think it would be fun for us to go through first off our biggest misses, right? Because as I said, we're not former NBA players or NFL players or pro golfers or anything. We're just a bunch of average white dudes, <laughs> if we're being honest. Um, and average white band. <laughs> you know, we, we try to represent the voice of the people as much as we can, which is why we have three white straight guys on this podcast.
1: <laughs> we nailed it. Um,
0: yeah. I'm, yeah. Ironically. <laughs> um, but we are wrong. That's a decent voice. amount. We are We are wrong. <laughs> Uh, often on this pod and uh and i think it'd be fun to to just spend a moment and seeing as look my name's on the pod right i figured i'll take the bullets first right i'll be the meme of the soldier taking the bullets while the kid is what a martyr yeah right yeah i'll be the martyr um so first off and we can i'll go do one and we can kind of go around for as many as we could think of because i'll be honest i went through like past rundowns and stuff. And we're going to get to some of that stuff later with what our predictions were going to the NFL season. Um, But like, I'm not going to go through every single pod and listen. So these are the ones that really stuck out to me as like my worst take. So the first one, uh, first and foremost is any take I ever had on this pod regarding Ben Simmons. Anything I said about Ben Simmons was wrong. Okay. Yeah. All right. I've had to apologize. I went to Christmas or Thanksgiving and my my cousin, uh, the my cousin's husband, he and I had a long Ben Simmons debate over the last few years. First thing he says to me, I haven't seen him in two years because of COVID. He's like, hey, can I take your jacket? Yeah, sure, man. Thank you. They were hosting. He goes, ah, so uh, that Ben Simmons take you had. You want to maybe uh, catch up on that? I was, ho- I was there for five minutes, not even, oh and it got God. brought up, right? This is how much of a stand I'd been for Ben Simmons over the years. I still am a believer in the talent. I'm not a believer in the person. He's the exact inverse of Jalen Hurts. Um, but for again, for anyone out there, I've said it before in the pod, and I'll say it again. I, I'm sorry. If you are one of the individuals that I that I it's it's almost like if if you were a consumer of this product and got mesothelioma, you might be entitled to a cash settlement. That's how I feel with people <laughs> when I talk to them about Ben Simmons arguments. If you had to talk to Jeff Gimple about Ben Simmons, you might be entitled to a cash settlement. So by far. I think my, my worst takes and it goes even pre-podcast had a- anything to do with Ben Simmons. I was wrong.
1: Where do I sign up for that? That, uh, that service. Cause I'd like the class action lawsuit payout. Cause I had to listen to all of
0: that. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, th- you to well, stick
1: with, uh, you stick well, with that. You to stick with that. Yeah. How about
0: that? For that? Since you had a little snide comment there, Scotty, you get to go next.
1: Yeah. I, so how many of these are we doing? Cause I have a ton of bad takes. We'll just go
0: around. We'll do a few rounds. We'll go around.
1: We'll stick. I'll stick with the NBA. I said Giannis Antetokounmpo was leaving the Milwaukee Bucks at the end of last season because they were not good enough to get through the con- or to the conference championship. Uh, as you know, they ended up getting through that and winning the NBA Finals. Giannis MVP stuck around. Uh, loud wrong.
0: Yeah, that one was rough. And you know the other reason that one was rough too was because he already had signed the extension with Milwaukee before you made that take.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I thought he got traded. That's all. It was just a bad take.
0: I know I just signed a mega extension, but I'm going to demand a trade. Well,
1: sign and trade. Oh. Sign
0: it was and trade just like eight <laughs> months apart.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sign, dot, 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 then
2: trade. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, the wheel goes around. Oh
2: man, bad right, take, veto. Well, I'll go next because I I have a few here, and I think I always love starting it off with uh with something that I truly love, which is my Broncos. And here's what I'm gonna say: every time I finally was like, you know what, I think I'm going against them for this reason, we'd kick the team's ass, like the Cowboys. I was finally like, you know what, Cowboys are pretty good. Like I'll, I'll take them straight up. No. The Broncos won their 10 and a half. It was so bad. I didn't like it happened to me all season. It happened to me with the record uh, betting that, oh, if you go back and listen to our preseason take, how confident I was that the Broncos are going to not only make the playoffs, get double digit wins. I bet these guys golf rounds that now I have to pay for. I think I cover mm-hmm. beer. Thank God it reduced to that because I think I was about to throw more out there. Like I was so confident, man. And, and just it was so bad for a while well, that we got a little bit of taste like, Hey, if we win out, we could do this. And then we yeah. like lose the next game. And I was like, Oh God.
0: So we were I like doing the math, like throughout certain points of the season where we're yeah. like, hey, here's, this is where we're at. Yeah. Oh my God. That Yeah. That was, the Broncos, the Broncos didn't quite, didn't quite live and, up to, to the billing this year. And we'll do, we'll do it snake style. So I'll
2: go again. Because okay. I, right. I, I have a good, I, 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 that wasn't, I have a solid late first round, early second, right. Mm. I don't have a, a great miss, but, this next one is also right there. Um, it was a good take in the first week, so it's kind of a mix. But when I, I was knew, like Jameis yeah. Winston, hey, he you know he crushed it. I, I was picking him for a preseason uh, MVP race. Yes, you all did. All that stuff. I mean, I was all <laughs> over Jameis. And, man, I, he came out and played Green Bay and and just beat up that defense. Looked like a star through for five touchdowns. I then just crashed, got injured. But the entire time, man, I was on Jameis so hard. I still think some of it has to do with the injury, but without a doubt, uh from in the MVP race to like not even in the top 32 quarterbacks of passing yards is a pretty dramatic change. So the injury hurt
0: hurt you, made the take look a little worse, <laughs> or might have saved the take, honestly. I mean <laughs> Jameis wasn't bad this year, though. I mean, you were more bullish on him than I think we were, but yeah, oh yeah, you also were very <laughs> bullish on him. I was as bullish as him
2: this year, as I was in Josh Allen last year. And the Josh yes. Allen one is way more reasonable. <laughs> you were,
0: you were playing with house money. You're like, Hey yeah. man, I nailed the Josh Allen one <laughs> the last year. I'm just going to fuck it. Jameis MVP. Mark it down. Uh Jameis one of one legend. All right, Scotty, that goes to you.
1: Uh, any take I have, I'm going to take this one to college football. Any take I had about uh, mostly the big 10, but uh, particularly saying that, Michigan was not a good football team at all. Uh, ended up going to the playoffs. So loud wrong there. Uh, and any like ridiculous take that I had about Penn State football, that's just the hopeful fan in me. But uh, I'll, I'll stick with the, with the Michigan one saying Michigan was a terrible football team. The,
0: the funny thing about the Penn State stuff, Scotty, is that you were very wrong on both ends because you could never find the middle with Penn State. I was always trying to pull you to the middle. But as soon as I would pull you there, then he would flip flop all the way to the other side. Right. And we'd come in and be like, Penn State's the worst football team of all time. Fuck, fuck Sean Clifford. Fuck James Franklin. Penn State's awful. And then I'd be like, come on, Scotty. They're not that bad. And then by the end of the next game, you're like, oh, Penn State's going to win. They're going to cover and win. Win in the we're Big Ten. Win 10. it all. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah that was... so you were, we being still you win had... the Big Ten. That yeah. Bad yeah.
0: <laughs> you, had, you had the extremes on both sides. And, and the reality of it is that Penn State was just like dead in the middle. <laughs>
1: It's why the whenever uh, and I hope it's in my lifetime. Whenever they win a national championship, it's going to be so sweet.
0: It's going to be the greatest. Because I going only
1: out. live those ends of the spectrum.
0: <laughs> now I will say this: you weren't alone in the Michigan take. I went back recently and and listened to a podcast that Vito and I did which was like our like half drunken, not actually drunk, but like tired drunk. Yes. Because we had both had crazy long days and I was driving all day or whatever. And they were playing, I think, Rutgers that week and they ended up covering. But we were talking about Michigan and Vito said the same thing. Vito did not think that Michigan was a good was a great football team or or good football team. Good.
2: I said Michigan State was better. Ohio State, Penn State. Like I said, they wouldn't even like. I, I,
0: I said they were in the bottom half of the big 10 East uh, mm-hmm. or the top of the big 10 by the end of the season. <laughs> that is one that I nailed this year. I will say I was, I was on early with Michigan and I rode them uh, even though I did not call them, pick them to beat Ohio state in that, in that game. And I regret doing that because I rode them all year. And then it got to the, the, the nut crutching time. Like, are you actually bought in? Or are you not? And I chickened out and I chickened out and I took Ohio state, but Uh, it is, it is what it is. Um, I guess that means I'm up next. Uh, NFL wise, I was so down on the Dallas Cowboys going into this year. I was so down on them. And I know that a lot of my, my stance was proven right about McCarthy and the end of the game and how they looked in the playoffs, but there's no denying the Cowboys were a good football team this year. They won 12 games. They were really impressive. Start to finish Number one offense. Yeah. (laughs) Number one offense scored the most points. Like, (laughs) like they, like, hand up there I was completely wrong about the Cowboys NFL continued I was really wrong about Sam Darnold I think going all the way back to the trade in free agency when I said oh Sam Darnold's gonna look awesome with Joe Brady and he's an upgrade from Teddy Bridgewater and oh my god was Sam Darnold bad this year like like so bad that he was like splitting time with Cam Newton at the end of the season like there and and yeah another guy who got hurt similar to the Jameis thing but Huge whiff on Sam Darnold, especially then they end up firing Joe Brady anyway, and you're like, I don't even. What do I even know? Like, I, I know nothing about yeah. football in those moments. You just feel like a complete, complete idiot. College football side of things, I had Clemson winning the national championship, or at least playing in Oof. the national championship. Oh. <laughs> I was a hard That's believer bad. in DJ Uyunglele. that did not work out. Um, I will say, look, they still won 10 games. So like a 10 win season is now like, like that's, that's, not, that's this, that, that's that. how good Clemson has been that a 10 win season is like this massive letdown year, but to have put them in that conversation with Georgia and Alabama and, and all the other teams we had at the top going into the season, I was way off on, on Clemson there. Uh, and then I think the last one in, t- in terms of just like sports related, like takes and not just other random shit we said, uh, my, I remember I had my buddy Denton Day on and he and I were previewing the NBA playoffs and we each made our predictions for who was going to be in the finals. And I took the Utah jazz losing in six games to the Sixers. Oy. And to think, to think where the Sixers were then. <laughs> and the fact that I had enough hope as a fan and just, again, like trying to be objective about it as a fan that I, I, had them winning the NBA title to where they are now, which is a good basketball team, but Ben Simmons not even being a part of the team and now looking at a complete rebuild in less than six months uh, is, is absurd. And uh, yeah, if there's one thing I got to eat crow on there, I think that's, that's a good one to pick. Um, Now for more positive things. All right. I'm not going to ask big. We're not going to brag about our takes that we're right. Okay. Uh, We do that to ourselves off off camera and off mic because you know we don't want to seem like douchebags but you know you wear your your wins and you have them instead what i want from you guys are what are your like thinking back in your favorite moments of the pod this year right like things that we've done that have just been stupid or funny or wild the random life shit stuff we've done um what sticks out to you Vito? we can start with you man like what sticks out is like that was so much fun when we did this
2: I think it goes, I, I'm glad you mentioned earlier. I think the pod that me and you were on where we were actually like struggling to keep like thoughts longer than three sentences together. And it was so fun. And somehow like, that I, I, was a great episode. It ter- it was yeah. different, right? But it was great. I think about um, a couple of my favorites just real quick were like that. Um, I think back to overall in, in this whole uh, pod, there's a lot of things, like uh, as listeners, you guys don't see, we're all on camera, but just some of the little things, Jeff's saying, take it easy, everybody. Um, You know, I think it's really fun. Uh, Every other time I'm doing this, I'm in a different state, which is always (laughs) like a challenge and and just fun where, and, and like um, the fact that we're so, uh, you guys are so adaptive, but I, I feel like, you know, some of those things that we get to see the backgrounds changing. And like, I feel like I, I known Jeff actually meeting Jeff this year, you know that that was pretty damn big. I would put that at the top of the list. We all hit a bachelor party. Um, you know, I, I'd say some some of those are probably like the moments that stick out to me over the last year that that either were on the pod or only happened because of the pod.
0: Yeah. What about you, Scotty?
1: Um man, I just I love the mock draft we did for the nfl oh yeah that was a ton tra- of fun i made the trailer- entire trailer yeah for the it trailer you made for it out.
0: if you haven't seen it yeah it's, it's on my twitter as well i'll retweet it once uh, once this gets out there um uh,
1: phenomenal that was a lot job of, that was a lot of fun to put together um but then just doing the mock draft i love that that kind of stuff uh the when we picked the entire bracket uh when yeah. the, when the tournament came around last march uh, which we will do again, ladies and gentlemen. Tourney time is coming, so get set. Tune into the read option for all your March Madness needs, uh, betting or otherwise. But, yeah, just the that sort of stuff, previewing uh, the NFC and AFC, uh, previewing the draft, ranking football players at, uh, by position. Uh, I, I just love that stuff. And then, you know, <laughs> talking, talking about all the stupid shit we say with the people that actually listen, and we're like, Oh, you do us. <laughs> so it's that's uh, a lot of fun to me. It's validating, and it's a lot of fun to and, uh, and, to spend time with you guys.
0: And uh, I'll say this too: Scotty wins bet of the year. Georgetown oh, yeah. Hoyas to win the Big East at yeah. what was it uh, like plus twelve thousand plus
1: plus eighty five hundred Georgetown Hoyas to win the Big East tournament. Wow! And then what did I do in round one? I said, "Screw you, Colorado's winning." <laughs>
0: Which did they did, didn't they? They did yeah. in the five twelve match. Colorado yeah, made did. a nice they little run. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That's, that's thank you, Georgetown funny. now. <laughs> the Hoy is and Patrick Ewing. Checks in the mail. Um yeah, I look, I love what what both of you guys have said. I mean, the mock draft was on my list. Um I, I remember like I a the trailer's phenomenal. Like I, I cannot yeah. recommend that watching that enough. It, it's so funny. Uh, Vito, as if you said that, that pod, I remember doing at the Jersey shore, like that day, like I was just drained. You were drained. You had flown from Philly to Cleveland. I had driven from Virginia to New Jersey. Like we were both at our ends and we, and the funny thing was, is I let off that pod being like, Oh yeah, it's, we're going to do, it's going to be a little shorter of a pod today. (laughs) And we still did like an hour and 45 minutes. Like we still went way longer. We did a random life shit about um, if you, if you would get a tattoo, that meant that like from a, for a restaurant and you could get food for life from that restaurant because there was a story about a guy in San Francisco who got a tattoo for this promotional thing uh, at a taco restaurant. And then he got three tacos for life and all he did was just flash you know, flash the tattoo. Like I, I love those conversations, and I know the random life stuff isn't for everybody. Um, and we appreciate anybody who listens to that stuff. It's a the ton of fun test. for us to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- just thinking back, like some of the random stuff. I was telling Scotty, you know, one of the titles of one of the pots this year had, you know, Jeff is the Steph Curry of throwing hair ties because there was just one day that I was in the shower and I took my hair tie out and I like threw it blind over the shower curtain and it went into a toilet paper roll, like the cardboard middle line it was the most unbelievable thing i'd ever seen um so just stuff like that like i really do love those conversations um and along those lines i think the bachelor party over unders was as funny oh. and fun of oh, yeah. segment as we ever did like i, I loved <laughs> i loved putting that together and then obviously as you said Vito, you know, like meeting you for the first time the bachelor party uh which was a blast and then my sister's wedding and we were all there yeah. and there was a really cool moment um at my sister's wedding where the three of us were there. And then our probably like one of our most loyal listeners, my buddy Ryan Keiko, we've brought up many times on this pod was also at the wedding and yeah. he came up to me and he was, like, he was like, is that, is that Scotty? Like, is that one veto? Like he was like genuinely like excited to meet <laughs> you guys because he listened to the pod and the, the four of us like stood around and talked for his, for a few minutes there. And, and yeah, little moments like that, dude, like they, they really go, um, they go a long way, like they they really do, and and I'll add this one on top. When well, we did the live podcast, you know, with the the yeah. three of us at, oh, at yeah. your place, doing the taste test and, and doing that stuff with the truly like that stuff was what just makes doing this that much more fun because we get the opportunity to all spend time together, to all you know talk and 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 be friends outside of what we you know record here on air at the same time. Um, I know for myself, like there are individual segments that I've done that I'm proud of, the the one I did about the tiger documentary. Um, which I thought was one of the best things I'd done, which is pretty early on. I did like a monologue about how much I hate Russell Westbrook, <laughs> essentially how much he frustrates me as a player, which is again, proven to be spot on is what we've seen from the Lakers. So uh, it, it's just the best man. And, and I love both of you guys and, and having you guys come on here and, and do the stuff is, is just the best. It's, it's the yeah, best. Man.
2: It, it is. And, and I think anytime any of us, you know, get a text from a listener about anything, um, you know, whether it's disagreeing with one of our takes, or like, I love that one, man, or what is what is this person thinking, or like, oh, hey, thanks for this info. I'm definitely gonna take that bet. Like, oh, I liked your take there. All of those things are great. We love getting them. Uh, we appreciate everyone that listens. And I think those mess, those moments too. Anyone who's who's listening and is a fan, we it, it's so nice having those interactions, and, and we really appreciate it from all of us. I know that.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. none of this is possible without those people man so really appreciate everyone that's taking the time to listen to three dipshits talk about sports for an hour plus a week
0: (laughs) seriously it's uh investing that amount of time is is spectacular but um so again thank you to the listeners thank you to people who support us and like our stuff on social media um but again i'll say it: thank both of you guys uh you guys carving the time out of your out of your busy weeks and stuff to be here to be a part of this thing um it makes it so much better when I I, cause I know I can see from the numbers, right. Just the downloads alone, when I'm solo for a, a you know, a three week stretch, they take a little bit of a dip because you guys add so much to the show um, and, and add so much to this, this, this podcast. And um, <laughs> well, I think the it,
2: podcast adds a lot to us, right? Like, like you were saying about yeah. Scotty moving and doing all this stuff. It's, it's nice when you have a lot of change going on, you know, I I'm kind of living in two cities now and, and work and all this stuff. Like th- it's nice to have this constant, of us getting together, doing the pod, it it, it helps us. I I really do believe that. And I I like, I'm just uh, I'm glad it's been a part of my life. Like I've been able to give some, but I've taken a lot too. So, you know, thank you, Jeff, for, for always being there and for always running it and always having your shit together. You guys don't understand how much work Jeff puts in before and after each of these pods to make this happen. It's incredible. And, and, you know, that stuff on top of his regular job, like this guy's going above and beyond, you know, Sky and I get to hop on and talk a little bit. Jeff's the one putting all the work. So dude, thank you very,
0: very much. This isn't anything without you. Well, I appreciate that brother. And I pretty, like I said, I appreciate both of you guys. It's, it's a pleasure on my own getting a chance to do this. And uh, like I said, to have this outlet, have this platform and to do it with two of my closest friends too, at the same time, it's, it's really special. So, um, that's all we got. I think that's, I think we pretty much hit it. Um, we're one year in and I look forward to doing this again next year and talking about uh, how far we've come and what we're doing again this time in, in 2023. And uh, hope hopefully the Broncos, the Eagles and the Niners will all be better football teams by then. <laughs> so, Still going to be all, better. Go
1: Niners, beat the Packers.
0: For all of our collective mental, uh, mental health. For Scotty, for Vito, I'm Jeff. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the football divisional round coming up this weekend and as always take it easy everybody